once was a Christmas that almost wasn't, almost wasn't, almost wasn't. There once was a Christmas that almost wasn't because of a man named Prune. Now Prune was a man who jolly wasn't, sweet wasn't, merry wasn't. Oh, Prune was a man who just wasn't a very nice man at all. Prune, Prune was his name. He was a man who had no shame. Prune, Prune was his name. If there is no Christmas, he's to blame. He tried to stop Christmas. We wished he wouldn't. We thought. Tis the season for a post-Christmas Christmas show here at the Feminine Critique. <laughs> uh, welcome, one and all, Christine, my co-hostess. That's me. Hi. Uh, Emily, your other co-hostess. That's me. Hi. Uh, Merry Christmas. Post-Christmas Christmas. Uh, this is our Christmas show. <laughs> this is our, po- our post-Christmas show that has two Christmas movies. Indeed. If you are live in Russia or probably a couple of other countries um, that kind of celebrate Christmas uh, in January, like Russia celebrates, I think it's January 8th. Um, Italy, they have Little Christmas. Like, so, I mean, other parts of the country, are, it's still Christmas. They're, they're, you know. And because we're in between Christmas and New Year's, it's still the season. So I don't think there's anything wrong with what we're doing right now. I agree with you. Okay. Today we'll be covering, uh, like we said, Christmas movies. Uh, my pick, 1966's The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. Mm-hmm. And Christine's pick. Uh, 1985's Santa Claus, um, sometimes known as Santa Claus the Movie. Just in case you bought your tickets to something, you were like, wait a minute, did I just buy tickets to go get my picture taken with Santa Claus? Oh no, I'm going to go see Santa Claus the Movie. That's right. That's probably why, because they had a lot of people that were really confused about the tickets. They thought they bought tickets to Santa Claus the book. Yeah, and they were like, wait a minute, I am not going to sit here and watch something. It's going to rot my brain. Yeah, so I mean, they they learned their lesson and added the the subtitle probably for different markets. Um, So before we get to that, we uh, sometimes like to do a little thing here where we talk about some of the movies we've been watching, don't we? We do like to do that. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've recorded, so I know I have a, a decent little hunky-sized list. How about oh, well, you? good good for you. I don't. Don't you, though? <laughs> um, I, I've been reading the books. Oh, and, um, my. What, uh, what, yeah. what books have you opened? Oh. What, with Santa Claus, the book? Yes. <laughs> nice callback. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why they pay me the big imaginary books. No, I actually started reading uh, World War Z. Basically because you said you liked it so much. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm maybe like 15, 20% into it. Okay. Um, not, not much at all, um, but I am enjoying it. Uh, I didn't really have any expectations, but like I said, you kept talking about it. So I really enjoyed it as a read. It just so I, different I went for it. anything else, I think. Yeah, it's really well written, and I, I, I mean, it's actually better written than I expected so that's something um but I've been doing the reading I've been watching the televisions um so my movies have not been really plentiful but I did finish John Dies at the end I'm pretty sure I said I started watching it um spoiler alert does he die at the end no what or you're not telling me oh I'm not no the answer is no you should watch it you haven't watched it right no I haven't yet I know Night Living Podcast Um, is covering it I think next yeah, you should re- you should really watch it. I um to to follow that up, I then read the second book. I didn't okay. read John Dies at the end. 
but I saw the movie, so I thought I could just start reading the um, This Book is Full of Spiders book. Oh. And it was it was really good. I liked that one a lot. Nice. So I then watched um, Sucker Punch, the <laughs> extended edition. Okay. Is it nine hours long, like Watchmen? Dude, it's, like, really long, but wasn't there supposed to be a cut of that movie that made it make sense and not be offensive? I still haven't seen it, so I don't know. Oh, we should really cover yeah, it. Yeah, we have to at some point. I have a lot of opinions and emotions. I know you do. Um, I hated it way more than I did the first time. Oh, that's interesting. But I and, used to be so in Zack Snyder's camp because I just me I too, John man. Red. I really liked three. I I still like three hundred, and I just really felt like here's this guy who's like young and has like energy and has like a different way of making movies and approaching them. And I fucking hated Man of Steel so hard that yeah. And Watchmen, I was just very mixed on. Where I'm like more and more, I'm like, oh, he's losing me. He's losing me. I feel like he's getting worse. Well, yeah. Um watch this you should really watch it but people that because i'm too lazy to google things that's not true i just don't know the answer but um tell tell me what it is that i'm supposed to watch that makes that movie make sense or be less offensive okay, i i need come, i need yeah. to know come yes, to our everyone, page and tell us everybody tell me because i thought it was the extended edition that would have all this stuff in it that would illuminate this but it didn't okay um to get that taste out of my mouth i watched death becomes her Oh, I love that movie. Um, it's still really, really, really good. Good. Like, I, I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but it was really fun and funny and clever. I That's like that one movie. that I considered, oh, I can't remember what movie we did instead, um, but there was a, one of our shows a couple of months back, like, I thought about choosing that one, but it seemed like too obvious a pairing. Just Was it whatever we paired with She-Devil? Um, I... No, because I know that one was very particular. Yeah. But it was another episode was like where we, it's bothering me that I can't even remember. This is only our 25th show. We haven't done that many. Uh, (laughs) But the, because it's one of those black comedies that, black comedies have this weird thing where I feel like a lot of times they can age surprisingly well. And I feel like that one has, at least the last time I watched it. Really, really good. It and it looked really good. I just watched it on instant. It looked really good too. I guess I had only seen it on television, but so I recommend you looking at that. I, I think Jeremy said that it it didn't age well for him, but man, I don't know. I had the exact opposite reaction. Um, I then watched Lovelace, which is yeah, streaming. I remember that you did not get the DVD for that. Uh, yeah, because yeah. it was yeah. I'm a smarty. Um, <laughs> It's it, the narrative is weird. It's presented in a strange way. Okay. I would like to hear what other people think about it. I thought the story was told fine. It just was. It was really told in a really weird way. Okay. You know how like they tell you they like present Titanic to you like you don't know the, the ship sinks. Right, right, right. As yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't necessarily understand that stance. Like they're going to fool you. Uh, you watch the whole thing, you're like, maybe it won't this time. Oh, no. Yeah, totally it's kind of how I felt with that. I, um, I then redboxed The Mortal Instruments, colon, City of Bones. Oh, the, the one of many YA franchises that isn't. It's It was so bad. Holy moly, it was really bad. Yeah, that's been, like, this year there were, like, five of those attempts to be, you know, yeah. franchises, kind of very Hunger games and none have worked out yet so far. Yeah, man, it was not good. I can see why. Yep. Um, weren't they going to try to do that with I Am Number 4? I really liked that movie, and now they're yeah. not going to make this. Yep, they were. 
Yeah, that was, I didn't see it, but I know that one was totally set up as in, we're going to have a franchise. And yeah, <laughs> Golden Compass was the same well. thing. Oh, well, Golden yeah. Compass was, it was infamous because of it was yeah. the movie. And I, I didn't see the movie. I don't know how it was, but primarily because of all the awful marketing, not marketing, but the, um, the way basically religious groups just decided they were going to make sure nobody saw that movie. Yeah. It's because it's the, it's the anti, um, Narnia. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, the guy who wrote it is a uh, avowed atheist, and I know that's in the books. From what I understand, in the first movie, it's not very obvious, and oh. they, they may not have really pushed it in the movies, I don't know, but that they never had the chance to, because the Christian I, right successfully kept it from being successful. I've read all the books, I haven't seen the movie. I'm kind of sad that there just won't be any more, though, because I would have wanted to. I like the books, I think they're really good, but I also like the Narnia books, even though they're God books. Yeah, I mean... But, C.S. Lewis was a good writer. If you can watch, like, read it and not, and look past the fact that it is kind of preachy to you, it's it's a great adventure story. Yeah. Um, I can see why kids are duped into it, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why we have all these young Christians running around. That's neither here nor there. Um, I watched a movie on Instant called Paranormal Whacktivity. Oh my god, this sounds amazing. When I don't amazing, know. It sounds like it would be amazing. I don't know if you've seen it. The cover just kind of came up, and I was like, what? It's like the Paranormal Activity font. You know how they do that. Yeah, wait, so but is it's, it like, it's not even the Wayans Brothers, or is it like younger? Like No, the Wayans Brothers The Wayans Brothers have a Paranormal Activity kind of spoof. I think it's like Haunted House. Yeah. Or, or like a Haunted yeah. House movie. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was... So this is like an asylum version of a Wayans Brother movie? Kind of. That's amazing. It's, it's really weird. Um, the cover. Should I watch it? Should I actually watch it? Um, I watched the whole thing, but I almost shut it off like six times. <laughs> it, it's the tone is really weird. Some of the jokes really hit for me. Okay. Like I, I laugh real hard at some of those really bad jokes. It felt like three different people wrote this movie. It was really strange. I guess I'm saying you, you should watch it. I, I put it, just wrote it down so that I will not forget because I need to see this now. Um, and the, the cover is really misleading. Also, it, like, makes you think it's going to be, like, a titty movie, and there's no nudity at all in it. Is, is there cursing? So- like, were they aiming for a PG-13 in the direct-to-video market, if that exists? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I, I don't just, know. They just I, couldn't know, get anybody to show their boobs. I don't know who that was for. It was weird, though. Oh, wait, no, you know what? There's, like, one set of boobs, but it, okay. it, it's presented like there's going to be way more. Anyways, <laughs> it's fascinating. I need to see it. You should watch it. Um, then to get that taste out of my mouth, I watched The Haunting, which is also streaming. Um, the Haunting, meaning the 1969? Yeah. No, 1999, maybe? Oh, the remake of The Haunting. Yeah, man, that movie's get, get a that taste out of your mouth, you watch the Catherine Zeta-Jones The Haunting. Hey, I like that movie. <laughs> I, I, I cannot, I will not argue. The, that was like a cable staple when I was um, a little bit younger, and I've seen it a lot, and I still enjoy it. But you know what? The fucking house is awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, really. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I've never sat down and watched it beginning to end. I it's guess. a really attractive movie. Okay. So, and I like the way Owen Wilson dies. Um, Spoiler alert! <laughs> although he died in every movie in that era. Oh, oh sorry, guys. I didn't, didn't know you didn't know he died. <laughs> um, I then. Watch Batman and Robin. I don't know. I think I wow. hated myself. You, what did you do this week that you decided you needed to be punished? It Batman and Robin. Like, I've never to say that though, that like the words of that movie around the house.
Like, you know, I was on, I put it on like as a joke and like, like, Brian's really good to me, but I sometimes think that if I were to like actually have that movie on one day, like he might kill me. Yeah. I really liked Batman's really hate Batman and Robin. Well, Batman forever. I really liked, um, I don't know why. I just really enjoyed uh, it. We were. It was made directly for our age. See, that's. But we this movie like came 14. out like a year later. Yeah, but it is just. It's an abomination. I mean, even I can say that. And I, I just wrote down Paranormal Activities that I would watch it. <laughs> that's true. Um, I had never seen it all the way through. I had only seen bits and pieces of it or wandered away. Mm-hmm. But I actually sat and watched the whole thing. It is fucking awful. Yeah, it's painful. I get what they were trying to do. It's Joel Schumacher, who's had a very wild oh, mixed... Oh, hey, Em, you should really, really, really... just You should get the disc just to watch um, the special features and listen to Schumacher basically apologize and kind of try Does to ex- explain why this movie exists, like trying to appease so many different people. I would love to do that, but you should see the look that Brandon's giving me right now. <gasps> oh no. Because he overheard me talking about B and R. I didn't say it. I didn't say the actual words. Christina, you should come. Christina, you should come watch, watch the commentary because Joel Schumacher is apologetic. He, he says that he was basically just trying to appease the toy makers. Isn't that <laughs> weird? That, I mean, it makes perfect sense when you think about it. Yeah. It's crazy. Because toys, they're they're essentially toys. It's like every one of those characters, you could have just pulled a string to get those lines out of them. Because they have all these awful puns that are delivered very deliberately. Almost as if they were just looping them into putting it it into the toys. The first 15 minutes of that movie, no one delivers a line and then has someone respond to it. It's just, everyone's just like shouting lines. Right. That's it. (laughs) It's awful, but that was a good time. Um, I then watched a documentary, this is my last one, called Tall Hot Blonde. I don't know it. It is, and I don't know a lot about, you know that catfish movie? Yes. Okay. It's kind of like that, but like the real life documentary version of it. Okay. It's really neat. It's like true crime. It's not neat. It's actually upsetting and awful about misrepresentation on the internet and okay. people died. But it's really, really, really interesting. So. All right. All right. I, I may check it out. Sounds sounds up my alley. You like the true crime. I do. I do like truth in documentaries. Um, so that's all you got? That is me. Well, let's segue on to the documentary I watched, uh, which was recommended by you the last time we spoke, which was misrepresentation. I heartily enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, yes, it is a movie that makes you really angry because it's all about, like, things that you kind of know, but then when they're presented so clearly, you're like, holy shit, this society is really sexist. Yeah. Uh, Especially when they're talking about the way politicians and, like, women in power are discussed. Like, when mm-hmm. they go over, like, Hillary Clinton and even Sarah Palin and all that and Condoleezza Rice, like, it's, it is, it's very infuriating to, to hear those things. Um, but I, I really did enjoy it, so thank you for that recommend. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Um, let's see, I'll, I'll fly through a few. I'll fly through. I am just transitioning like mad. Because you know what the next movie I was going to talk about was? <laughs> what? It was going to be Die Hard 2. Oh, man, I didn't watch any Die Hards this season. Yeah, that was my last season. My Christmas movie was Die Hard. Uh, This year when I was at um, visiting the in-laws, we were watching a couple of TV. And then it dawned on me that I watched Die Hard 2 in airplane right before I got on a plane. 
<laughs> but, you know, uh, I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked out for you. In a way, yeah. Um, Die Hard Two is to me. I've only I don't count the last two Die Hards as movies that I need to see. So I agree. Of the first three, Die Hard Two is the weakest. Um, just because you don't have a. I love William Sadler, but he's no Alan Rickman or Jeremy Irons. So it's just it's not as good. It's it's much. Um, the deaths are more ridiculous and don't count as much so it really like you could see why it's one of those movies that if you were one of those people that hated violence in cinema you would use that as your prime example of like mindless violence um, yeah but you know it's still you've got john amos getting sucked into a fuel jam which is pretty cool i have a lot of nostalgia for that one it's the one that i've seen the least oh really it's the yeah. one i've seen the most yeah Die Hard easily three, I lo- i've seen quite a bit and because that was always on tv and I love that one. But, uh, yeah, Die Hard 2 is meh for me. Uh, Airplane is all a classic in any day and age. and I all Obviously, yes. Obviously. Um, I watched a couple of Muppet-ness. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I watched your, the, the movie you inexplicably do not like, which is the recent The Muppets. Oh, it's because it's awful, but well, it's neither here nor there. So, so are you. But yeah. um, <laughs> thank you. I still love it. I watched it with the commentary. And <coughs> it still made me cry, and I still love it and stuff. Uh, also, of course, annual viewing of the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, you know, you really did this holiday season right. I, I in turn, yeah. did it very wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> um, along with that was, of course, a Muppet Family Christmas. Oh, I yeah. love it so and much. And of course, I cried in all three of them because all three yes, of you them did. have very touching moments. Um, that I'll just keep going because otherwise I'll start crying again. Oh God, no! Yeah, um, but I, I love all of them. Uh, recommends all the all around the uh, Muppets Family Christmas we watched on YouTube, and it has original commercials in it. Which is oh great. really? Yeah, lots of Doublemint Gum commercials. Oh well. Uh, okay, other movies I watched on Instant Watch: a very strange um, movie called "I'm Not Jesus, Mommy." Have you seen oh. this? Has this popped up for you? Yeah, is it not um is it not um punctuated correctly? Yes, that is it. It is not okay. it has no apostrophe and then no comma. Okay. Um it like the ti- the cover makes it look like it's a killer kid film. The synopsis and well the title is terrible, not just because it's a shitty sounding title, but because it kind of um if you're watching the movie and you don't know what the title is, you it's kind of cool because you have no idea where it's going. Uh-huh. It starts off as, like, this doctor who's part of a um, human cloning fertility uh, experiment. Then all of a sudden, it's a post-apocalyptic movie. Oh, neat. And so it's kind of cool because you're like, oh, oh, we're, we're this, that took an odd turn. But then in the back of your mind, you have the title, I'm not Jesus, mommy. So you're like, okay, well, I guess the kid's not Jesus, right? Um, so it's, it's a problematic film. It's not very good, but it was clearly made on a low budget and done well in that sense. Um, they're able to kind of convey apocalypse pretty well without really doing much. Um, just in that, like the lead actress in the beginning is like a, has bleach blonde hair and wears a lot of makeup. And then when the apocalypse hits, she's got like probably her natural hair color and is looking very dowdy. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Right there. Like I buy that times have changed. So it, it did some interesting things. Um, it's one of those movies I would recommend to just people who are curious and like to see different kinds of indie genre films. But anybody who, like, has standards of, like, well, is it good? No, it's not good, but it's interesting. Uh-huh. Um, 
a much higher budgeted film that I watched was one that I know you watched not too recently uh, or not too far off. Not uh, anyway, <laughs> that would be The Purge. Oh, OK. And I loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like going in, I knew what everybody said, which was it's a great premise and the movie doesn't quite live up to it. Um, but I think knowing that they're making sequels to it, I was uh-huh. like, this is exactly how you could do this movie as a first movie. Because they take this great premise and then they just do it through one, like this one family's point of view. Um, so yeah, you're left being like, well, what's going on? Like, why is society like this? And what about what happened down the block and everything? But you're like, eh, no, they can do that in part two. Um, so I thought it was really effective and I really enjoyed it. Okay. Was the villain not completely like the dude from Funny Games? Yes, though? he was. Oh God. Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, no, thank completely, you. completely. Um, I just yeah. need people to pat me on the back for that I'm, one because I felt like I fucking hit gold. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, okay. like, I like the concept of the villain as this kind of like, um, you know, well, we are the rich and wealthy, so we'll let you live because oh, yeah. you're like Me us, too. but this is, this is our night to do this. But yeah, he very much was um, Michael Pitt and the other guy in Funny Games. Yeah. Completely. Uh, okay, this, this movie is, is also uh, <laughs> not a good one. Um, Instant Watch, I think it's going off this week. So hurry up, folks, if you want to see Madonna buck naked in Body of Evidence. Uh, uh, no, thank you. Willem Dafoe. No, thank you. It's, it's not good. It, it is, it is not a Basic Instinct ripoff because it apparently did come out like it was being made when Basic Instinct came out. But it's like you're watching. You're like, this is a ripoff of Basic Instinct, only it's not as good. And Basic Instinct isn't that good, so that says something. Yep. Uh, bug. Oh, this was on ABC Family Channel, our our favorite channel because it's where you'd find flyers. <laughs> uh, and that would be Bugsy Malone. Oh, it was also a big Paul Williams week for me, apparently. So good. So good. And just so weird watching it. I'm just like, who who really thought that like, like, I could see why um, Alan Parker, who's the, the director, I could uh-huh. see why he would want to make this movie. Like, as of like, you know, as somebody with the vision of like, I really want to make a gangster film with kids. But like, what studio was like, yeah, OK, that sounds like a good idea. It's just so weird. It is really weird. Yeah, like, it's so hard to figure out who should watch it. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people who watched it, like, when they were kids, like, I think it's perfectly fine for kids, but it feels like it's doing something else, and I don't quite know what, but it's, oh, it's awesome. I don't, I don't know if I would have liked it if I saw it when I was a kid. I would have, because I was, because it's a musical, and it, all the costumes and everything would have gotten me. But yeah, it's just so bizarre. Yep. Oh, that music. I want it. I want it right now. I know. Me too. Um, I also got Classy with um, Pierre Pasolini's, that's the guy who made Salo, the movie about yeah. food Um I watched his version of the Canterbury Tales. Oh, how was that? It, I mean, there was no poop eating, but there was farting uh, oh, and penises and everything else in between. And Sold. literally in between. Uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> I mean, I, I knew, like, I'd read most of the Canterbury Tales way back in high school, so I, I knew what I was watching. But if I didn't, like, there's very little framing around it of figuring out, like, oh, this is a short story, and now it's over. And now here's another short story. So the format's very strange, because there's no um, real signifier of this story is ended, now we're going into another one. Uh-huh. Um, cause they, I, like, they all kind of end on punchlines, but they're not that strong. So then it's like, oh, <laughs> so you're not sure what's going on. Yeah. 
But it was interesting, and it was, I mean, the only other thing I've seen of his is Salo, uh, so just to say, I mean, this, and this is much lighter in tone, it's much funnier, but it's equally as body, if you will. Uh, I watched Vim Vender's version of The Scarlet Letter. Ooh, look at you. I know, I just, I'm telling you, I, I ran the gamut this, this month. Uh, I forget why I even had this on my queue. I think I was just wanted to see more things by Vin Benders, and this was only yeah. 90 minutes. So I'm like, hey, okay. Uh, it is very faithful to the book and very, um, very much Scarlet Letter. But I did like it. It took me time to get into because at first I kind of felt like it wasn't doing anything. I'm like, I'm just watching a very straight adaptation of the Scarlet Letter. But eventually I kind of got sucked into it. So it was worth watching. It's, I think it was his first or maybe second film. So it's, you don't necessarily, then the only other thing I've seen of his so far has been um, Wings of Desire, which is yeah. one of my favorite movies. I think I'm in the same boat as you on that, which seems strange because that seems like a lot of stuff we haven't seen. Right, exactly. Yeah, like Paris, Texas, I haven't seen. Yeah, it's, uh, he's got quite, a, yeah. quite the filmography. He had a few things on Instant Watch that went off, one of which I think had Michelle Williams in it. I forget the name of it. So I would like to watch more by him. And this, um, I mean, it's, I, it's hard to say, like, it's a huge recommend, because it really is a very straight retelling of The Scarlet Letter. Yeah. But it, it's interesting. Uh, all right. Cool. A few more. Um, this was this is for Gleecast, which I'll record with Erica tomorrow and will release in a few days. Um, I sat down and rewatched Footloose. Like the original? The original Footloose. Okay. Uh, have I can get behind like, that. Have sat down and watched it as a grown-up? You know, honestly, I don't think I've seen it since high school. They played it in music class for some nice. reason. Um, I actually, watching it this, because I've seen it many times, but the last probably few times has just been, oh, it's on TV, turn it on, then walk away. Um, but sitting down and watching it from beginning to end, it's held up. So it's actually a good movie. Like, putting aside that, oh, yeah, it's fun because there's, like, crazy dance sequences and Kevin Bacon does gymnastics and Chris Penn uh-huh. learns how to dance. Like, it's... It's actually a really, like, well-written. The characters are real. The, the kids are... Nobody is one note. Jo- even John Lithgow, who plays, like, kind of the villainous reverend, actually has an arc and isn't just fire and brimstone. And it was surprisingly... It was a really good watch. And just sitting down and watching it made me remember, like, this is a genuinely good movie. Um, uh, on Instant Watch, I watched... I, so I've been, I've been reading, too, you know. Um, I read the very long uh, Dan Simmons's The Terror, uh-huh. which is a, a decent read, it's very long, uh, about the failed expedition to the Arctic Circle way back when in the 1800s. Uh, uh-huh. And anyway, it kind of led me to like, yeah, I want to watch more boat stuff. So I watched Leviathan. Ah, uh, yes. Which is also known as Alien on a Boat. Or Deep Star Six without the boobs, whichever one. I, lo- I like Alien on a Boat. Yeah, um, both work. It's It has a good cast. You've got Peter Weller. You've got um, Meg Foster being creepy. Uh, you've got Ernie Hudson. And the entire movie, I was very distracted because I'm watching it. Because I'm like, Ernie Hudson has to die. Like, there's no way he's surviving this movie. But then I got to a point where I thought he might not die. And I got really excited. Uh, I won't spoil it. I'm sure you can figure it out. Um, but this... <laughs> What the fuck was that? That was so aggressive. It's all I'm saying. I like Ernie Hudson. I think he should be cast as a lead more often than he is. I fucking agree with you. Yeah. That's my point. 
Um, okay, you did get really mad though, and I wasn't sure why I at first. Why. I guess I was just preemptively defending Ernie Hudson's. Okay, I did. I just realized that you were at a different part of the conversation than I think. I think you I thought you were. Possible. I was. I was anticipating. I guess maybe some like attack on the Ernie Hudson love. Okay. Uh. Um, but yeah, this. Uh, it's pretty quick. It's short. It's you know, there's a big monster thing that's kind of cool, and then it eats people, and it kind of is alien. So uh-huh. it's, you know, it's a. That's that. That's a yeah. If you feel like it, watch it. I won't. I won't hold it against you. Um, oh, I had gone through Spartacus season three or season, no, season uh-huh. two, season two or th- chronologically season two, uh, in order of it was made season three, if that makes sense. Um, and so, which, but also so good. I feel like I, I originally liked Spartacus cause it was a lot of blood and penises, but in watching the, the third, second season, I realized it's actually a really good show. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it really is like the characters are fully fleshed you have great female characters and occasionally you have penises and blood and beheadings and face-offs like literally a face-off a dude gets his face chopped off i was gonna say do you mean like a face-off or no, a face i mean off? I, I, there are there are figurative face-offs throughout the season but literally a dude gets his face sliced off it's nice. badass uh and so that kind of also inspired me to like to finally say to Brandon, okay, let's watch Ben Hur. Because I had <laughs> never seen Ben Hur, and I never really wanted to sit down and watch a three and a half hour movie. <laughs> because it's three and a half hours of my life that in that time I could have watched like three and a half episodes of SVU. Yep. You know? Um, so it's, it's hard to sit down and commit, but we did it on Christmas. Uh, have you ever actually sat down and watched it? I have not. Okay. It's good, it is very good. And it does not feel like it's three and a half hours. The, it moves. It doesn't feel like it's overly long, even though it, you know, it's three and a half hours. Um, yeah. It, uh, the cast is great. The the sequences are great. The chariot race holds up and looks awesome. The music is fantastic. Um, and it's it's interesting because it is a it, you know it's essentially about the birth of Christianity. And I am not a, you know, Christian person in, in any way and don't generally enjoy those movies unless I'm enjoying them ironically, um, like October Baby. But in this case, like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel preachy to me because it feels like, okay, this is, this is the good side of, Christ- of Christianity. This is what, why it is a thing because it's showing, like, the birth of it through forgiveness and all these other things. So it was, um, it was quite good, I guess is what I'm saying. And, you know, who well, do I? I don't know. Do I? Um, Maybe I do. One of our very first episodes, William Wyler, who did The Collector. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He won an Oscar and stuff. Yeah, good for that guy. That's right. All right, Willie. Wait a Wait a hit <laughs> Willie. Yeah. Um, and then that's most of it, other than a lot of, you know, Pee Wee's Christmas special and a Christmas episode of Night Court and Nice. Uh, Batman and uh, the Mr. Sanctuary 3000 Santa Claus movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's most of what I got. It was a lot. Yeah, you had quite the full... Uh, yeah, I know. Two weeks I didn't even mention all the S2 episodes <laughs> that got squeezed in between. Oh, man, I watched a season and a half of Extreme Couponing, so... I don't know what that is. Yeah, don't. Just don't. Walk wait, away from it. Wait, wait, wait. Like, 
like paranormal activity walk away or like no it like do you like your life and do you like to spend time in a, an efficient way by um, efficient then, do you mean watching episodes of law and order svu that i've already they seen? just basically they just go to the grocery store with a lot of coupons okay. and try to get like thousands of dollars of stuff for free and they do okay and um, i watched a lot of them <laughs> If it makes you feel better, I realize I can identify what season of SVU we're watching based on uh, Mariska Hardigay's haircut. Well, there you go. We all have our something, huh? Yeah, we do. We do. That's right. Uh, All right. So I guess that's everything we've been watching. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We we ran the gamut, folks. We went from most Oscar wins by any movie uh, to Paranormal Activity and back. Well, hopefully we'll have a review of it next time if Emily watches it. it (laughs) Don't you worry. It's there. Uh, All right. So, wait wait a minute. If that's not your instant recommend, I just don't even know what it can be. Oh, no. I was trying to be serious about it. Oh, good. Because I wasn't for mine. We'll get there. Uh, So, should we go now? What do you want to do first here? The Christmas is almost (laughs) on it? Or Santa Claus the movie? Uh, We'll go chronologically. Okay, everybody. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about 1966's. The Christmas that almost wasn't. Why do people always make the same mistake? Why do they let Christmas slip away? What a lovely change if we could arrange for Christmas Day to come and stay and never ever go away. Why? Can't every day be Christmas? Why can't every day be gay? Why can't every day be Merry Christmas each and every day? No need to wait until December. It's always Christmas in your heart. Just as long as you remember, friends must never, ever part. So let each day be Merry Christmas. Don't let that feeling get away. Let's make each day a Merry Christmas and light a great big holiday. Why can't every day be Christmas? Christine, I have one question for you. Oh, what is it? Why can't every day be Christmas? Because it's not a realistic request, really. Oh, I suppose. But if you're Paul Tripp, it certainly is. Although you wouldn't do that, because that song was cut from the movie that you watched. (laughs) The movie, of course, we're discussing is 1966's The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. Yes. Uh, Now, this, uh, my history with this movie, this was my pick. Um, I, in high school, my, my dear, dear friend Betsy had said, mentioned this movie. And because I was always a movie person who like knew everything. And I was like, I've never heard of that, which she was like shocked about. So then we proceeded to watch it. And every year since then we've watched it. Uh, I had never heard of it. And when I finally watched it, I was pretty much done. Like this, what else can I live for? This is it. I have hit my peak. Um, so I hadn't watched it in a while, rewatched it right before Christmas and then right after Christmas. So I got two viewings of it in. Um, now, Christine, this was your first viewing of it, was it not? Yes. What did you think you would be getting? Um, well, you liked it a lot, so I figured it would be <laughs> what I refer to as an Emily movie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But 
I didn't realize it was going to be this nightmare that it actually was. My goodness. Would you first like to tell everybody what this movie's about? I don't know. It's a fever dream with a <laughs> with an evil man and a sweaty Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's oh, I'm sorry. It's an Italian fever dream. Isn't it? A kind of like because Paul Tripp, who plays uh, Sam Whipple, Esquire, uh-huh. uh, he's American. And yes. the uh, most of the people in the movie, some were Italian, some were American, and I think like they're all dubbed over, but they're dubbed over with their own voices. Yeah. I think. So the Italians have Italian accents. Yeah, it's weird. It's very strange. Uh, the story of the movie, for those who have not seen it, uh, it's on Instant Watch. It had a story? Oh no! Oh my god, it did have a story. Oh my god, this really bad guy bought the North Pole and was charging Santa Claus yep. rent. Yep. So Santa Claus has to get a job yep. and then kids give him money so he can pay the rent. What is this movie? That, I mean, that's pretty much the movie. So, so yeah, it turns out <laughs> that Eskimos own the North Pole. Uh-huh. And then really the villains of the movie, by the way, are actually the Eskimos. Because then they, <laughs> they sold it off to Mr. To Phineas T. Prune, who hates Christmas. This man, folks, the way I hate onions, this guy hates Christmas. Jesus. And there's got to be a reason for it, which we do find out why. Uh-huh. And, and you can probably figure out why. That's yeah, really not shocking. I know, like, watching it I, I, the first time when I was, like, 15, I'm like, wait a minute. I bet I know what happened. And sure enough, yes. And really, then you find out the other real villain of the movie. Um, so one of my favorite aspects... Is that asshole named Jonathan? Okay, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is that Phineas T. Prune has, like, a, an assistant who's, like, a man butler. And Santa Claus has his assistant, who's the head elf. The, now, <laughs> the, so we meet the elves, and the elves are all, as you would expect, little people. But the head elf, for some reason, is like 6'2". Yep. Uh, Named Jonathan. Named Jonathan. The elves are like Dipsy and Whipsy, and then my head elf, my elf foreman, Jonathan. Jonathan. Meanwhile, Phineas T. Prune's man butler... Uh, who is the guy? You will recognize him from um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He is ki- the king who says, put them in the Iron Maiden, execute them. That's him. Everybody. Oh, gosh. Uh, what is his character's name? I don't know. What is oh, this? You don't remember his name? No. Okay, so Jonathan is to Santa Claus what Blossom is to Phineas <laughs> T. Prune. Oh, that's funny. It just You're watching, you're like... Something, no, that's mixed up. Like, clearly, like, an elf is Blossom. Like, it, you get the feeling that somebody, like, sw- like made a mistake in the script and just nobody thought to correct it. All right, and, oh, so, I don't know if you saw, I posted it on our Facebook group. There is a, like, YouTube making of of this movie. Uh. And one of the things they talk about is how um, the producer basically had the movie and he had it written, I think Paul Tripp, I think, was also the, like, Paul Tripp, like, wrote it. And um, when the producer tried to get it made, the first director he went to was like, okay, yeah, but we're going to change a few things. And they were like, no, no, we're not changing anything. We need a new director. So they ended up with Rosanna Brazzi, who also plays Phineas T. Prune. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And his wife, uh, in real life, is, plays the character of Mrs. Santa. Oh, that's probably why she was so sassy. She was sassy. You can make a drinking game out of this movie so easily. Drink anytime Mrs. Claus, um, or Mrs. Santa, as they call her, anytime she offers somebody tea. Because throughout the whole movie, she, whenever somebody like says something negative, she's like, let us have tea. 
or whenever she says I declare. Because she the oh, yeah, she says this movie. She says she says I declare as much as Michael Scott in that episode of The Office where he just keeps saying I declare. <laughs> I wonder if they watch this movie. Uh, there is, if you remember, there's a Simpsons episode. That's a Christmas episode where the kids um, uh, get stuck at the school. There's a snow day, but it, they, it snows the men. There's like 10 kids in the school and Seymour is, has them watch a movie that he used to watch when he was a kid called The Christmas <laughs> That Almost Wasn't But Then Was. Uh-huh. And like they show some of the clips like it's not this movie, but it's so clearly inspired by this movie. Oh, that's amazing. I want to really see that is. right now. Like, there's a part where there's a woman singing to an elf and she's just like, I love you. It's true. I really do. Which is kind of the lyrics of most of the songs in this movie. Oh, you mean that song about Mr. Prune where they just rhyme prune with different things and they I, don't even pretend like that's not what they're doing? I had a pet baboon. No, I'm sorry. Wait, I had a pet raccoon. Eight donuts with a spoon. It makes sense, but we don't care. The name again is Prune. Ah, yeah, it's God. awful. No, I tell you, Prune. And that's the song. And the song is gibberish. I said baboon because at one point he uses the word baboon. Because guess what, guys? It rhymes with Prune. And it goes on and on <laughs> and on. <laughs> and everybody gets a really close up and everybody's <laughs> eyes are creepy. Oh, and everybody has sweat on their brows. <laughs> And no one has any makeup on at all. It is the oh, most really disturbing ugly. movie. <laughs> Everybody in this movie is really... And, like, Rosano Brasi apparently was, like, the sex symbol of Italy. Because he was in uh, South Pacific. He was some um, enchanted evening. That was him. And even he looks awful in this movie. Um, the close-ups. Should we talk about the close-ups? Oh, talk about the close-ups. <laughs> there are a lot of close-ups in this movie. If you ever wanted to see the pores of a bunch of actors working. Oh, no. Um, so <clears throat> now the, the DVD cut that I've always watched opens with uh, a, a song called Why Can't Every Day? Or actually, it's after the, the Christmas It Almost Wasn't. It's um, a song called Why Can't Every Day Be Christmas? And it's Paul Tripp singing it and all the kids are happy and stuff. And then the next scene is uh, Sam Whipple, who is an attorney. Uh, decorating, and a man comes up to him and asks him for his help, and it's Santa Claus. Now, the the Netflix version cuts out that opening song. I don't know why. Uh, I guess to help it make it flow better. So the the movie opens. This do you, do you remember how the movie opens? Um, there's that terrible song, <laughs> and then he goes up to Santa, right? No, yeah. he Santa goes up to that dude, and and the dude's like. Oh, you look like somebody I know. That you mean like that? Because the way like the, the first <laughs> line is like, "Excuse me, sir, can I have? Can I? I need your help." And the, and the man's like, "Why? If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were Santa Claus." Extreme close up of really ugly Santa Claus. I am Santa Claus. Yeah, <laughs> and he's wearing like a cowboy hat. It's just really weird. Like a trench coat. Yeah, yes, he's he's wearing a trench coat and like a like a mountain man hat. It's so weird. And so it's, yes, because it's like, I am Santa Claus and I'm not laughing. And Santa Claus is, my theory on that is that they, they went through every single, they asked every um, 50 plus age actor in the world to play Santa Claus. And they went through maybe like 80 no's before they got this guy who was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Because yeah, this guy is the worst Santa you've ever seen. Oh, he's so terrible. Like, okay, there's something to that, like, oh, well, he shouldn't be jolly because, you know, he's facing foreclosure. 
but he's just miserable and doesn't have a sense of like jolly Santa in him whatsoever. Yeah. And he doesn't look good in extreme close-ups, but nobody looks good in the... Like, this movie, like, we'll have a conversation between two characters, and it's just camera at one guy's face saying, like, why, hello, camera cut to the other guy's face. <laughs> Hi. Camera cut back to the other guy's face. How are you? Camera cut back to the other guy. Not so good. That's kind of the filming style. Uh, yep. Um, but now we find out um, something that I think is a good thing is that the reason Santa comes to Sam Whipple for help, who is, and Sam Whipple is an attorney, but he is the worst attorney you've ever seen. Yeah, you want to know why? He, he's really good at his job. He just forgets to um, send people bills. Right. He's you know what? Yeah. That means you're not good at your job. Before that, he's not very good. Because, like, when Santa um, is, tells him the story, uh, what's his name? Sam Whipple's like, okay, we'll just go talk to him. It's like, no, 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 you could investigate, maybe drop some legal work, like, no, no, but he's just like, well, nobody can resist me. I'm Sam Whipple. Uh, my other favorite thing is that uh, Paul Tripp clearly had a kind of like um, a little bit of vanity about him uh, because apparently he had a like children's TV show. So he was somewhat famous as sort of like a Mr. Rogers type guy to that generation. Uh-huh. Um, throughout the movie, they keep talking about him as if he were like this like 20 year old apprentice. Yeah. They, they keep referring to him as my dear boy and young man. And you get the feeling that, like, he wrote in that dialogue to feel younger. Because then the camera does an extreme close-up on him and you realize, like, no, this guy's in his 50s. He's not a Yeah, young he's guy. not young. Not at all. No. Um, but the reason Sam Whipple is called upon is because Sam Whipple did something very nice that I think everybody should teach their children to do, which is he wrote a thank you note to Santa. That is nice. Because everybody writes letters to Santa asking them what they want, but only Sam Whipple wrote a note back saying, thank you. Yeah, maybe all those other kids realize that Santa's not real. Um, but he is, and he finally figured out a way to pay his mortgage. It just He just needed the help of all the children in the world for that little tiny Which model town. It's crazy that he then solicited all those children. No, I mean, for money, not for, like, sex. Well, there Although is- there are, like, weird sex things in this one. <laughs> what did you think were weird sex things? I, I have a few like, on my list. there's that song... Uh, I'm sorry, Why dear listeners. children like when they're white? Yeah, like, he... Oh, it's, been, it's been a while since I watched this because we had to put off recording. Um, but there is a song... <laughs> Yes, that one that Emily just sang, we're basically really hitting home the fact that he goes into children's houses when they're, they're asleep and looks at them. Like, he's never interacted with an awake child. Well, because, I know, and they keep saying it like that. Like, it's one thing if, like, the idea of, like, oh, right, Santa doesn't actually meet children because he only, he doesn't see them. He goes, he drops presents off, and then he leaves. But, like, Santa keeps talking about it as if, like, I've only ever seen them in bed. Yes! Santa, no, stop, Santa. You're only stop, you're not helping your case. I don't think you realize what you're saying, Santa. <laughs> um, other weird sex things is uh, the elves. Uh, when when we meet first meet the elves, they all come running out. It's really horrifying because there's <laughs> extreme close-ups of all of them, and it's terrible. But then when they have to go back to the workshop, Jonathan, who is significantly taller than the elves, um, stands with his legs wide open. And the elves start to go in, and he shakes his head, and they remember, oh, right, they have to go through his legs to get back in. Like, you you caught that, right? 
Yes, it's not. This movie's not okay. It's the thing that they do. It's like Jonathan's smiling the whole time. It's very weird. It's really weird. So then I'm watching this and I'm like, man, I'm hungry. I gotta make dinner. I'll just make dinner and watch this. You know, there's songs, annoying songs, repetitive songs. So, okay, what what point do I decide to, to just, you know, put put the volume up and go into the kitchen and, and kind of glance up every now and then? Why, the part where he goes to work at the department store, oh. where there's that, that dialogue-less fever dream of them frantically playing with toys. <laughs> Again, two men in their, like, 60s. On the, on the floor, playing with toys, and all of a sudden the cuts get really quick. And it, it's just really uncomfortable. I had to I had to pause the movie, finish cooking, and go back to it. There are also so many moments in this movie, if you pause it, especially whenever they're in the department store, where there is just really weird, freaky stuffed animals and dolls, like yep. right in the shot looking over their shoulder. I'll post one or two on uh, our page that I caught. But like, there's just like a monkey that's just there, but it's staring at the camera and the camera doesn't move away from it. And that just keeps going. Like, you find those throughout this entire movie. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really, really not good. No, it's by by not good, she means it's really great. Um, It's. If you watch this in the right frame of mind, or rather the wrong frame of mind, you might go on a murdering spree. It's really great to watch with alcohol. Some eggnog, maybe. You know, I was sober, so I don't know. Maybe Emily's on to something. I mean, I watched it both ways and I had a great time both ways. I don't know which way I enjoyed more because when you're sober, you can listen to the lyrics and hear things like how they're able to rhyme ecstatic with acrobatic. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got the so the montage of like, there's so many weird children montages because like there's the one montage where it's the, when the children are singing how they have a date with Santa which again isn't weird at all after yes it's I've never seen kids when they were awake now we have a date with Santa come on and there's like the moment where like 10 kids jump in one bed yeah it's just there it's I don't know why but it is um and then we the way that because Santa goes to work in the department store as department store Santa just like Silent Night Deadly Night everybody but without the killing and the um, this, even though he does make some money eventually, which somehow Sam Whipple is able to make more money as a janitor in a department store than he is as an attorney. Uh-huh. Which is strange. Not a very good attorney. Uh, but yes, the, the beautiful climax of this movie is when a little boy realizes that Santa Claus needs money. And so all the children of the world break out their piggy banks and give Santa money. I think that's a lovely lesson because it's about giving back, which really is the spirit of the Holloways, if you ask me. Uh huh. You disagree? I thought it was really weird. Oh. Like, it wasn't like um, a metaphorical giving back or a <laughs> metaphorical like, no, giving him money. pay for. They're literally giving him their piggy banks. Oh, Santa, it's really weird. But I guess instead I'll just have to give you my 50 cents. Get a better lawyer next time when you make your contract. Yeah, right? Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then when Santa... Now, another moment that you, you could not go make dinner during, because this one didn't have lyrics, is when uh, they deliver the toys to all the children. 
Now, movies handle this different ways. Generally, a montage is the way you do it. You have Santa Claus in one house, Santa Claus in the next house, Santa Claus in the next house, and so on. Um, you show, like, a sleeping Asian child, a sleeping, uh, you know, uh, South American child, and so on. Now, in this case, do you remember how they handled the, the giving away of the toys? Not really. Okay, I'm guessing it went something like this. Uh, the director just photographed, told um, Sam Whipple and Santa Claus, okay, guys, um, just here's a roof. I need, I'm just going to take pictures. Just do what you're going to do as if you were delivering toys. So there is about a... Oh, my God. Yes. The, the photo montage. It's a photo montage. And they're I not forgot. even singing at this point. It's just music. And it's, a, it's like literally some of the pictures are blurry. They look like they were taken with like a disposable camera. It's just a picture of, of Sam and Santa. And then they're going to the chimney. And then one of them is standing on the chimney. And then one of them, then it's his back to us. And then he's down the chimney. And then the other guy gets on the chimney. And it just, this just goes on. It's kind of like a flip book, but not because it's not good enough to be a flip book. It's amazing. And then I thought that was the end. Nope. Like, oh, they're going to a photo montage. They're wrapping things up. Well, no, no, no. because that would the money all those kids gave. Like, let's face it, it was it was pittance. It was pennies. Yes. Um, which means, yeah, that paid back his back rent, but he's going to get charged rent again, or is he? <sighs> because now we still have Phineas T. Prune to deal with, and we still have to discover. Should we spoil it and tell everybody what what really? <sighs> You know why he hated Christmas so much? Do you really think this movie can be spoiled? I feel like just watching it, you're you're spoiled. Like not in the way where you get lots of good stuff. So great that it's like like, spoiled. You don't deserve this. I'm too. I'm not good enough to watch this movie. Exactly, Christine. Exactly like that. Um, So, spoiler alert: What happens is we find out it's all fucking Jonathan's fault. Jonathan, the six foot elf with the yeah, I knew that though. He's an asshole. He is such an asshole. Uh, he misplaced Phineas, a young Phineas T. Prune's letter, and Phineas T. Prune wrote a lovely letter asking all he wanted in the world was a toy sailboat, which Santa never brought him because Jonathan fucking sucked. <laughs> An elf's cock, probably. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, so then, um, since they find this out, Santa delivers Phineas T. Prune a sailboat, and then, then Phineas T. Prune proceeds to run around the street scaring children and grabbing one and wrestling them to the ground and forcing the sailboat in his hand. It's another high point of the film. And then the final shot of the movie, I don't know if you watched it till the very end, because then, like, they replayed their opening song and, like, had kind of, like, not a montage, but, like, you know, there's Phineas T. Prune being happy and stuff. And it ends with Blossom t- letting the, the killer dog inside the house with a little smile. Yeah. They, they come and they decorate his house, though, and it's all cobwebby yeah. like, a, like a haunted mansion. <laughs> He's been living in this, like dilapidated squalor it's weird which is weird because he's clearly collecting you know doing well although maybe he's like sam whipple doesn't actually collect money maybe finney's prune doesn't either you know if you think about it yeah um yeah uh Uh, (laughs) lots of great music in the movie obviously no there's no good music in the movie we open with a very i gotta find a lot of a lot of them are on youtube so i'll be able to all of the breaks this week are going to be music from this movie. Oh, uh, that first song? There uh, was a Christmas that almost wasn't. It's almost wasn't. It's exactly what Emily just did. It's so repetitive. It wasn't. There was. And then yeah. the whole story of the movie. And, like, the thing about it that's great 
is the the tunes themselves are okay, but it's like they didn't quite understand how to cram the lyrics, like because there's like lyrics where you have a line where there's like like ten words shoved into a line to rhyme with one long word the next line. Like it's like there's no smoothness to the lyrics at all. No. There's not, and there's also no coherence in the different songs. Like, you have a song, like the opening song, that tells us the entirety of the plot, and then you have a song that just has random words that rhyme with prune. And there are a lot of words that rhyme with prune, people. You'd be surprised. Oh, and it never stops, and I swear at one point it starts going faster. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the one um, Phineas T. Prune sings about being bad. I'm uh, mad, I'm mad, I'm sad. Yeah. Amazing lyrics. Oh, my. Yeah. Uh, my favorite moment, though, <laughs> if I had to pinpoint one, is really just Phineas T. Prune shouting, A Merry Christmas, I don't think! Because it's very Yoda-ish, and it's... Yeah. And I kind of love uh, it, what can I say? You've seen this a lot of times. A huh? few, a few, maybe a few. Um, and it's one that I feel like is not discussed enough in the realm of um, classic, enjoyable-to-watch Christmas movies. Like, people talk about Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and things like that, but this is a really special one because it's so fucking weird. Um, if I had watched it with somebody, I might have liked it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> um, it just dawned on me. We have to grade this, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have any more to say about it, or should we? Um, please watch it and know that it's Italian and sweaty <laughs> and weird. Just so fucking weird. Because, you know, I mean, it, it's December. It should be very cold there, one would think. And you wouldn't really think they'd be sweating that much. It's just so weird. Okay, we can we can rate it. <laughs> All right. Uh, quality of film. Uh, am I going first? Uh, no, I guess I can go first. Oh, head. Uh, there's this thing. So, I mean, okay. I love it because it's ridiculous and it's just one of those movies that you watch with your jaw open the whole time. But uh-huh. I, I understand that, like, people who are looking at things like cinematography um, and maybe dialogue... Um, story, character, special effects, like, those people are gonna be a little harder on it, if you will. Um, so on those lines, I guess I would probably give it a five. A five? Out of five. Uh, for, for quality of film. Out this of, is an average. Five, right? That's how we do it? It's average. I'm gonna say well, it's, it is an average movie. Fine, 4.75. Oh, you, you, do you, wanna, you do what you want to. You do what you want to do, but just understand what you are doing. Four point seven five quality of film. Oh, fine. I give it fine four. Okay. Out of, All right. Out of four. It, I'm I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. And that was just for quality of film. Yeah, that's quality of film. All right, quality of life improved upon by this movie. I'm sorry, folks, but I just have such a good time watching it. And I really think it's one that I could watch every Christmas because it's just bizarre and weird and uncomfortable and has moments that are just awkward and a lot of extreme close-ups. 
Um, so quality of life improved upon by this. This has this has given me a good solid eight. Eight? Yes. Quality of my life improved upon by this movie. Wow. Um, I'll give it a five. No, no, no. I think that's, I think that's fair. That's five. Sure. I'm, hey. Fine. Christine T. Prune. Yes. Yep. That's me. Prune, prune. Prune. My name is Prune. Dune. In a moon. And prune. Lots of raccoon. That's really just, how the song goes, guys. It you just can, yell prune. People, you understand why I love this movie, right? Yes. It's Aye. ridiculous. It's not good, but... It's just, no, it's not. Um, but I really do encourage our listeners to watch it, because I think people are missing out. I do. All right, yes. I think it is something that needs to be seen to be believed. Okay. Uh, on that note, we are going to take a mini break and come back. We're going to jump forward in time a few, uh, about 20 years, to um, Santa Claus Cole in the movie. Yes. I have been around the world more times than you can count. And do you know that I have yet to see a child who's wide awake? I wish that for my sake, just once they'd stay awake just long enough to say hello to me. I know that parents say Santa Claus will stay awake. If children are not fast asleep in bed I wish they'd break the rule On Christmas there's no school Why can't all children stay up late instead? What are children like when they're wide awake? Are they just as nice as can be? Are they always as polite, with their faces scrubbed bright, the way all children are when they're asleep? What are children like when they're wide awake? It's always been a puzzle to me. Do they always wear a smile, mind their manners all the while? The way all children do when they're asleep. Some people say children are good only when they're fast asleep. I must confess it's only a guess. They're just as good when they're wide awake as when they're fast asleep. What are children like when they're wide awake? I think they're just the same as you and me. Some days they get in trouble, and on other days they bubble. And that's the way I think it ought to be. And that's the way I think it ought to be. We have returned um, from the masterpiece that was the Christmas that almost wasn't. <laughs> we're going to go to 1985 Santa Claus the movie. You picked this one, did you not? I did. Now, why did you pick this one? I don't know. 
Um, I, it's something I had seen as a child. I, I had memories of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why um, I hadn't seen it as an adult. Um, and I thought it would be interesting. Oh, I agree as a discussion because it is the same uh, demon seed that brought us Supergirl. Yes, I did think that was interesting. Vazarak or whatever his name is. Uh, Yeah, this and this he made I think right before, right after Supergirl. So this was his like hot ticket year where everybody thought, let's give him the big shit. (laughs) Yeah, for some reason they were like, here's the keys to the kingdom. Right here is this big budget Christmas family movie that we know is going to be big. Apparently, they had originally asked John Carpenter to do it. Oh, I want that movie. Uh, yeah, right? He, I think it was like he wanted to change things and um, wanted Brian Dennehy to play Santa Claus, and they were like, no, <gasps> do both of those things. Right? Fucking awesome. How great would that have been? They also, apparently, a lot of people wanted this movie. Uh, Guy Hamilton, who did a lot of the James Bond movies, and Robert uh-huh. Wise, who did The Haunting, both were like, yeah, we'll do it. Um, but ultimately, the producers chose Svark because, quote-unquote, this is from, I think, IMDb, uh, because of their excellent working relationship on Supergirl, which many executives at TriStar Pictures believed was a masterpiece and would also become a mega hit. Uh, yep. So that is why we have Super uh, Santa Claus. Super Santa Claus. Super Santa Claus. Uh, they were probably like, hey, you know what? There's a lot of flying in this movie. Clearly, he's worked with flying. So let's let's do it. Now, do you want to give us a little brief rundown of the plot of this movie? Oh, my. Okay. It's kind of like an origin story. Yes, yes. It does start with the... I have a lot of problems with this movie. (laughs) I'm going to try to tell you what it's about without getting into all of those. Um, Basically, you get the origins of Santa Claus um, back in a million years ago times. Yeah. And then flash forward to now times... Or, like, the 80s. <laughs> and, um, there's an elf called Patch, who's Dudley Moore, and, um... Perfect casting! Dudley Moore, you uh, don't even need to, like, cast, like, perfect! He fits in as an elf! He's tiny! I really like him in this movie, but that's not what we're talking about. Okay. So, he is, like, an inventive elf, and he wants to do different things, and he it doesn't really work out... Yeah, it doesn't really work out well. He's not, like, good at what he does. So he, I don't know if he gets exiled or if he just leaves. No, it's not but he, that he's not good. It's that there's no quality control at the North Pole. There's he's not good. No, he, he's has, not. he has good ideas. He just, somebody should have then been there to question them and to make sure they were being implemented the right way. It's not. Yeah, which fault. basically was his job. Well, he should have done that. Yeah. Anyway, so he leaves the North Pole. He goes to, um the big city and he makes a lollipop that makes you fly and there are homeless kids there well there's one homeless kid oh there is that's actually a good point there is only one homeless in child all of new york city believe it or not folks only one homeless boy named joey <sighs> so that's what this movie is about um well then thank god we get a <sighs> thank god we get a villain because for the first like 45 minutes of this movie it's everybody's boring and then yes. john fucking lithgow comes in and owns it he owns he it. does he does he commits to this movie so hard. he is funny yep he is interesting and everything else is awful 
Now, and here's what was made this interesting watching it in tandem, really, with Supergirl, is realizing something that this director is really lousy at, is understanding how to um, direct actors, plain and simple. Supergirl uh-huh. was rife with great actors who we all know are great. Peter O'Toole, Peter Cook, Faye Dunaway. Um, and they're all in different movies. You have, you know, Peter <laughs> Cook just being funny. You have Faye yeah. Dunaway hamming it up. Um, and then you have other people playing it kind of serious. And this movie, you have something similar because you have John Lithgow going big and he is hilarious, but nothing around him matches him. Correct. So it's very easy. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think, and I didn't really look at like a lot of reviews from the time because I'm sure some reviews were probably like, he's the best thing in the movie. And some reviews were like, what the fuck is he doing? Uh-huh. Because there is nothing. The rest of the movie is so like, su- like sweet, but not in like a nice way. Like it's like sweet in like, Oh, everybody's nice and boring. And even I think Dudley Moore, who's perfect for the role. He's and he's playing it well because he's he's really underplaying it. He's just he's not like going goofy. He's not Will Ferrell an elf. He is just like a nice little elf who wants to do good things. But the movie is so like the energy around him is so also blah that it's just boring until John Lithgow comes on screen. Yeah. Um, also, I think a, a problem with this <coughs> was because you spend so much time with. Santa Claus's origins. Yeah. I mean, you don't really learn anything. It's just basically Santa Claus wanders upon the North Pole right. and, and they're like, oh. to death with his wife and they're like, yeah, can make basically he died. This yeah. is all in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, I think they might be enslaved there. Um, well, it's, you know what's weird? It's like the elves are like, we've been waiting for you. It's like, wait, what have you been doing? You like, yeah. you were just waiting for this man to freeze to death? <laughs> Yeah, and it's called Santa Claus movie, but it's not about Santa Claus. It's about that, that's, Patch. And, that's what and I'm McDon- saying. And how delicious McDonald's is, don't forget. Oh my god, so much product placement. There's quite a um, lot of product placement in this movie. Santa Claus the movie. Overlong explanation of where Santa came from. Uh-huh. Like, you really didn't have to have his origins. Nope. But then it stops being about Santa Claus. So whose movie is this? It's, it becomes infuriating after a while. Because then it becomes Patch's movie. But then yes. it becomes Little Homeless Joey's movie. Exactly. And then essentially it's John, Lith- John Lithgow just walks away with it in the end. But then even like John Lithgow like doesn't, oh, like it's such a shame because they throw in, because there's this, okay, the one homeless boy in all of New York City, Joey. And he um, befriends this rich girl who later on you find out is John Lithgow's niece or ward. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Like, there's supposed to be a connection there that, like, okay, this is convenient, but I don't even think it, like, ends up meaning anything. Um, And, like, what the fuck does Santa Claus, like, not... How does it work with the homeless kids? Because he's... Well, he... He took them. No, at the very end, he takes the the kids. No, he takes those two kids. The one who's rich, not homeless. But it's like, before that, he's like... You mean you don't have a home? You don't know who yeah, I am? Yeah, that's what... Like, Santa doesn't fucking understand homelessness? What is going on? What are the elves feeding this dude? Yeah. That's why I think he might be, like, chained to a radiator that's 364 cool. days a year. Yeah. Because he is, like... And Santa Claus is basically getting tired. He's like, I need an assistant. Like, and that's what causes this whole thing in the first place. Um, I did like that the birth of the naughty list. Did you catch what was the instigator to it? Yeah, a dude being mean to a cat. Yes. 
which made me happy because it's like yeah. At first, I was yes. like, why are we? Why are we seeing this now? Yeah. So that's why there's a naughty list. I don't fucking need all and that. And I was like, oh, is that supposed to be John Lithgow? But I'm like, no, because that's in like the 1800s. So yeah, no. <laughs> he looks amazing. Right. Well, you um, know, he hasn't aged. He actually is aging quite well. He really is. Um, there are a lot of Supergirl things in this. Yeah, the flying, like, like this, this strange origin story that really makes no sense and is not an origin no story. Fluidity whatsoever. And then, and then, yes, the the flying sequences on top of like generic backgrounds, where it's like, okay, we got five minutes. Let's have flying for five yeah. minutes. Ugh. Um, like there's a lot of montages. There's a like the opening has like a five minute montage where they just play ten bars from every Christmas song you've ever heard, uh-huh. show the passage of time. Um, but it's like literally, it's like any Christmas song that was probably fairly affordable they put in there. And then there's a few I think original Christmas songs, none of which are very good. Yeah, there are. There is an original original Christmas songs in here. Oh, I'm gonna have to look. Uh, the one. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. There were I guess like two or three things that I did like. Uh, one of which is the reindeer were actually really adorable. I yeah, the re- you know what? The reindeer were really, really cute. They were just very sweet looking. And then when they when they made noise, they sounded like Wookiees. They were very Chewbacca-esque. It was very Did sweet. they? Yeah, they were like... Rah! Oh, yeah, I guess I so. They are really cute. I remember... See, I told you I, I'd seen this quite a bit when I was younger. Like, a lot younger. Um... I remember the reindeer, and I remember, as I mentioned, Patch develops this product that, that makes it's not they, they don't even sell it; they give it away. That makes yeah. people fly, and they um, it's for uh, John Lithgow's toy company. Um, they do like a little television spot, <laughs> which reminded me of Bedazzled. Um, yeah, <laughs> a lot. Um, that's what I distinctly remember. Right, like the reindeer and that 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 comprises like four minutes. Of this movie, and that's what I remember in this like seventeen-hour-long movie. Yeah, and that the um, the business plan. Now, here's another thing. So John Lithgow's business plan in the the first time we meet him, he has this movie takes place at least the bulk of the movie over three years. Yep. Because John Lithgow first gets like banned from Christmas because he's a toy maker, and it's a really funny scene because he's like standing up in front of Congress, answering for the fact that his toys are made out of like cinder blocks and like fiberglass yeah it's really it's really funny and so that's one christmas the next christmas by then is when he's met patch and is deciding he's going to to get like good pr again he's going to give away this christmas gift and then is it like the next christmas that he's going to sell the um, new product i don't know but all i know is that it really bothered me that he like made friends with this little homeless boy and, like, just fucking, like, and took like, off. Okay, Joey, I'll see you next year. And the best thing. So then we're, we're at the North Pole where Santa Claus is, like, planning for that year and he's carving out something. He's carving out a figure. Mrs. Claus is like, oh, what's that? He's like, I decided to make something by hand for Joey. Yeah, when I was homeless and 10 and living on the streets of New York, you know what I wanted? I wanted a fucking whittled wooden figure. That's exactly what Santa I said. Claus. Why did you get this boy a stupid little piece of wood that looks like an elf he's never met? Give him some fucking food. Yeah, give him a sandwich. Give him a sleeping bag that has thermal lining to it. Give him a family. How about that, Santa Claus? Ever think of that? 
Or did your your head uh, bookkeeper, Burgess Meredith, not tell you that? This movie wastes Burgess Meredith. He's an ancient elf, quote unquote. And he just, he shows up for two seconds to like say some shit about why he's Santa Claus now and then runs away. Is he Asian? I, I don't think so. I said I did say I did say ancient, but I don't know. But like, see, like he's got this like Pai Mei esque look to him. He has like a long he does in his mustache, yeah, and like a pointy hat. Like I was, I'm like, it's, I I don't understand. Are they doing like yellow face on Burgess Meredith? Oh, it's weird. Um, the uh, the other thing I really loved about this movie uh, is John Lithgow. Uh, I mean, regardless, he wa- like I said, MVP of the movie. But there's a great moment where John Lithgow has an assistant and they're talking about like what color to make the lollipop and um, the assistant's like, I like puce. And John Lithgow goes, you would. It's, it's really funny. It's really funny. John Lithgow is amazing in this movie. That nothing else in it is amazing. Um, other than the shots of, of McDonald's, which I haven't eaten McDonald's in like five years, but I kind of wanted to eat McDonald's after watching it. Yeah, it made it look good. Because everybody's like drinking Coke and they're slurping it and they're eating these like sandwiches that are thick and they're never thick. But no. yeah. And of course the poor homeless kid is drooling at the window because all he can yeah. eat is this wooden figurine of an elf. Yeah, what's going on with that? That was really handled poorly. Yeah. It's like this sentiment like... Because that's something that I always find interesting with a lot of um, children's films, especially ones that were made in this time period, is that they don't actually have kids in them. Yeah. You know, Santa Claus, at Al- the Christmas that almost wasn't, there's no kids until the very end. And this one... And then they give him money. Yeah, well, that's what they're good for. In this one, I wouldn't be surprised if the first script didn't have the kids. If the first script... And they was, just... Yeah, if it was all about Santa Claus and Patch and John Lithgow... And then, like, some test screening or, like, test reader was like, um, guys, you know, this movie's being sold to kids. You probably need a kid character. And that's, you're like, all right, let's write in a homeless boy. Because it, they, like, nothing fits together in this movie. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it's all, like, episodes that then eventually interwine together, kind of, but they don't even have to. Yeah, there's no direction. Um, Again, I say, whose movie is this? Why spend so much time in the beginning? Like, why not show me more of the little boy? Right. Or more of Patch, because we don't know where he came from. He's just there, and he's a little different than the other elves. But Santa Claus ends up being almost inconsequential. Very much so. Very much so. So why did we just have to look at him for the first 20 minutes of this? Because Patch, spoiler alert, saves the day in the end. Like, Santa Claus's reindeers poop out, so then Patch is like, I got a car, you can ride with me. I think, I can't even remember if that's how it ends. But um, I don't being, know, something like that. Yeah, like, the hero of the movie, I guess, is Patch. I think the homeless kid helped, maybe. It's weird, and it's, on one hand, it's, it's the kind of movie... That is made for kids, not for the kids and the parents. Yeah. Compare it to Elf, which is a a very easy comparison, because Elf is in a lot of ways a a similar story. It is about an elf at the North Pole who leaves to come to New York. And Elf, I I mean, again, I've never watched it with kids, but I feel like that movie is totally going to be fun for kids. Sure, there's a lot of adult stuff and there's a lot of like romance, but it's still like just kind of goofy and sweet. 
And uh-huh. of course, Elf is, I, I mean, I don't know if you like Elf, but I, Elf is is very funny to most adults. Yeah, it's okay. This movie is clearly made purely for children. But yeah. parents have to watch it too. And you're not giving them anything until 45 minutes into the movie when John Lithgow comes in and starts hamming it up. Yeah, and there's like jokes that are actually funny. Right, but at that point, yeah. like the parent has left the room to be like, I'm going to start making the Christmas cookies. You kids keep watching. Yeah. It doesn't seem offensive. There's nothing offensive about the movie. It's, you know, I mean, I've certainly seen movies that are more mean-spirited or something. Like, this isn't, you know, it's good-natured. It's just boring and just mishandled all around. And yep. this, like, I've decided I hate this director. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's uh, primarily, since this, he's done TV. He did, I mean, Jaws 2. <coughs> did did I tell you... That, like, the day after I watched this, I happened to see the Fringe episode that he, he did? No. Or one of them? Oh, maybe you did. Was it any anything? <laughs> Excuse me. I just, I don't remember which episode it was. He's done seven of them, but I just happened to be, in between watching this and watching Supergirl, I was just naturally watching Fringe, and I saw his fucking name come up, yeah. and I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. He's haunting me now. Yeah. He, I, I think, I remember looking through his list, and I don't think I've watched any of the TV shows that he's directed for the most part. But he's just as a, and this movie is about an hour 50. It does not need to be an hour 50. And not even that, like, oh, it's a kid's film, it should be short. Because it, that, does, that doesn't, rule doesn't necessarily apply. But it's uh-huh. just so poorly paced and put together. And I just, I, uh, I just don't like this man. He makes me angry. I'm sorry I did this to you. No, it it wasn't painful, and I watched it in I think two or three parts, which helped. Uh huh. Um, it it just was one of those movies that you watch and you're like, so like clearly waste of money, waste of talent. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But again, like now thinking about it, like I'm not like it's you know it's a better made movie than the Christmas it almost wasn't certainly. Uh. But my quality of of life made improved upon by this movie is nowhere near. Yeah, it's it's definitely not what I remember at all. But again, like it might play fine to kids, and if we showed this to, you know, five year old Christine back in nineteen eighty seven, or if you showed it to five year old um, imaginary child in two thousand and thirteen. They would probably be fine with it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's designed for kids. It's fine. But it seems like it wasn't supposed to be. It seems like for the cast and for the budget and the scope, it was supposed to be more appealing to adults. And it's just not. Yeah. I, I really, you have to be right about that whole, like, shoving other things into it. Like, it was a Santa Claus origin story. And then all of a sudden it wasn't, yeah. you know? And then it's like, we've gone 20 minutes without seeing Patch. Oh, now we've gone 20 minutes without seeing Santa Claus. Oh, and we've just gone 20... Now we're 20 minutes without seeing the kids. Like, yeah. it's just bizarre. The pa- Like, there's no sense of time, even though, like, years continue to pass in this movie. It's very strange. All around. It is. Yeah. Um, but I think... Uh, I'm just trying to see. Do you have any more to, uh, to share with the fine folks about this movie? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like I said to you off air, I actually watched these in a timely manner. So when we had to delay a little bit, 
it really took away from yeah um i'm sure i had a lot of snarky shitty things to say <laughs> about this a week ago um this movie is infuriating well it's a very forgettable film it is it's there's just nothing other than john lithgow there's really no like wackiness to it nothing stands out other than like now i kind of want to eat mcdonald's like even like john lithgow <laughs> is is funny because john lithgow is funny his there's nothing that great about his his character is just a greedy toy maker who is trying to get money from people but that written isn't that interesting it's john lithgow just going for it that's funny um dudley moore who again should be perfect is doesn't get enough to do and is just kind of forgettable in the end he really he really isn't in it as much as i remember yeah for because the, the child version of me was quite quite taken by that character right. and i that's all i really remember about this movie oh, and, and the sure fact the poster that, is purely him it, 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 the fact that he's not in it more is is, is surprising like i really remember yeah uh, it's a shame it's, just, it's a mess of a movie yeah it's weird but, uh, yeah, it's on Instant Watch, so if anybody's curious. I mean, I, I don't recommend it. I can't imagine. The only person I would recommend it to or people I would recommend it to would be like, eh, if you're looking for a Christmas movie to show your kids and you don't really need to pay attention. Or if you really like John Lithgow, just turn it on and come in 45 minutes later for it. But, like, to me, that's the only things that are really yeah. worthwhile about it. Yeah, definitely. It was a it was a struggle for me to stay focused. I kept kind of wanting to dip in and out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No. Not made for us. Not made for us, indeed. Yeah. All right. So grading, if you're ready. I am ready. Okay. Uh, what are you gonna go with for uh, quality of film? <laughs> quality of film. This is probably a five point five. Yeah, I'm just gonna go straight down the middle and say five. Yeah. Um, I would like to give it more. If it had more of a direction, I would. Yeah. Really, it it might be ridiculous and stupid and like, wait a second, why isn't Santa taking care of that homeless child? You know, <laughs> like there might be these weird yeah, things. But brought him a whittled model of an elf. I know. <laughs> that gets like adult me. Like kid me wouldn't have even noticed right. that. Like whatever. But what I can't forgive is the fact that this it is so directionless, and I have yeah. no idea who the focus of this mm -hmm. movie is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, it looks good. It sounds fine. The acting isn't bad throughout. It's just, again, like Supergirl, I know what those actors are capable of, and none of them get to do it here, because this director doesn't know how to handle a cast, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, as I'm going straight down the middle five. Uh, yeah, right. I think that's good. Quality of life on this uh, Um... 4.5. Again, I'm going four. And four, two of those points being John Lithgow. Yeah. Cause he, I have, I have fond good. memories of it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just funny and, and cares. And yeah, I think everybody else cared. They just weren't given anything to do. It's yeah, kind of a shame. Uh, yeah. So that was Santa Claus, the movie. Yep. Not to be confused with the Mexican Santa Claus film from MST3K, which is like a 10 in my book. <laughs> you laugh, but I'm not kidding. All right. I, I don't think it's a joke. I don't trust your tone. Anyway, uh -huh. we should talk about uh, Netflix instant recommendations, shall we?
Okay, we should. Indeed. Now, you said you have a serious one or a classy one or something. Or, like, just an actual one. Okay, all right, what you got? Um, well, I was excited to see that it showed up. It was a movie that I missed at South by Southwest that I kind of was interested in seeing. So when it popped up on instant, I watched it immediately. Um, it was not as great as I had hoped, but it was still interesting, and I still really enjoyed the performances. Um, it is David Gordon Green's Prince Avalanche, oh. starring Paul Rudd and Emile Hirsch. Okay. Um, they're both really good in it. This is on instant watch? I feel like this, like I was just it, reading reviews of it. It is on instant watch, yes. Huh. And that's why I was super excited to see it. Because yeah. it did just, it did just hit DVD. Okay. Or Blu-ray. I don't know. That was weird how I said that. <laughs> it just got released. Dating yourself, it. aren't you, Christine? Yeah. Hey, old lady. Right? It's on VHS. It's on Laserdisc. <laughs> um, it's a little... Why um, local Nickelodeon? It's a little meandery. Okay. In parts, but I, I dug it. And this is kind of back to, like, old school David Gordon Green? Yeah. Okay. Cause, I, mean, I liked it. Yeah, Honestly, season. I did like it. Okay. Yeah. You should watch it. I might. I just might. Um, my Netflix Instant Recommend. I don't know if anybody should actually watch it. Uh, so, like I said, I watched Spartacus, and it just put me totally in, like, a gladiator mood. And uh-huh. guess what? There's a movie on Netflix Instant called Amazons and Gladiators. Uh-huh. Uh, it stars kind of Jennifer Rubin, plays like one of the head Amazons. You might remember her from Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and uh, the other movie that's exactly like Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um, Dream Warriors. Not Dream Warriors. That's Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I know. Uh, I know her Bad name. Dreams. Bad I... Dreams. She was the dar- she's Taryn. She's got the dark hair. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know exactly who that yeah. is. Uh, so Amazon and Gladiators, I, I don't, at first watching it, I thought it must have been a made-for-TV film, but then there were boobs. But the boobs were done in a way where it seemed like it would have been very easy to cut them out. So I'm guessing yeah. it was, like, made for straight-to-video, but then also, like, could be shown on TV. It's, like, from 2002 or something, I think. Uh, so it's about a girl who um, grows up and is a slave, but then joins the Amazons and then goes to fight the Amazons and the gladiators or something. It's awful, but so kind of hypnotic because the acting is all is really bad, but some people are British and some are American. And sometimes like for the first hour, it's all done pretty period. And then at one point they start playing rock music. I think somebody just forgot that they were making a movie (sighs) set in like, what did you tell me? What year this was? I want to say it was like two thousand and two. Like oh, okay, so it's not old. No, no, no. It's it's fairly well, new. Okay. Uh, I think I forget the actor. There's there's like one other name in the movie of a British actor who like people would recognize for things. And I can't remember his name. Huh. But so you've got like all the girls just wear like pleather and stuff, which is totally what Amazon's wore a bit. No, that's really, it's appropriate. And they Somebody just, did their research. Like they just say things like, I'm an Amazon and then fight. And the, like, the, the fighting is actually good. The fight choreography is genuinely well done. Um, everything else is terrible, but it's done so earnestly that it, I just was watching it. I watched it on Netflix on my commute. And it was one of those watches that like, I was sad to get to work because I really wanted to <laughs> and I was really happy when work was over because that meant I would have gotten to finish the movie and I, I don't know what to compare it to um, sort of like eh, like an asylum version of Spartacus in a way because there's 
it takes a long time for them to show boobs, so it's almost like they made the movie and an hour into it, they were like, oops, we can show boobs, right? Okay, good, boobs, here we go. And there's a sex scene that's filmed in such a weird way where it took me a really long time to figure out what body part the guy was kissing. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I think it's <laughs> her awesome. ass. It's her ass. Oh, no, it's her belly? I don't... Oh, it's her boob. I thought we weren't showing boobs in this movie. It was all very bizarre, and it's terrible, but I just found it really, really amazing. So Amazons and Gladiators, a striking title if ever there was one. Oh, wow. I think you would like it. You, really? You think I would? Um, watch the first, like, 20 minutes. Like, you have to get past the opening, um, before they, they flash, like, because there's kind of like a, uh, the opening sort of set when she's a little girl, and then so there's a child actress who's awful, as opposed to the adult actor who's just bad. Uh-huh. Um, so I feel like you kind of have to get past that part, and then okay. just watch a little bit of the adult age and see if it works for you. It probably won't. It's really bad. Um but also kind of great. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me for me to recommend this movie as my instant recommend. But Man, you might have piqued my curiosity enough to I actually did. look at it. I hope I peak If I could pique the curiosity of, of one person to check this movie out and then agree with me on it, I would be happy. Yay. Yeah. All right. So now should we talk about what we're going to be covering when next we meet? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so, well, first of all, let me announce that we were going to have a special guest star. Hooray! Indeed. Um, we are going to be joined by, most of you know him as Fozzie Bear, uh, B-A-R-E, because he's often naked. And that is all, a.k.a. Jason. Uh, but him, you might remember him from the podcast podcast or um, Fozzie and Tina. He also, he has a new podcast, uh, which is called Development Hell. Yes, Development Hell. I haven't been able to download it yet, it yet, but it's out there, just not on iTunes yet. It might be by the time we record development ah. it's exciting um so everybody he fozzy is is a good time and fun to have around and he will guest star because we are going to talk about a movie that i decided we should watch based on me reading a, a book about boats and watching this representation <laughs> led me to think you know i've never seen it and it's such a punchline i want to know how is cutthroat island uh-huh. So we're going to go to Cutthroat Island, the one of, it still is up there in the list of biggest flops of all time. It is, uh, yep. it's, it's still up, it's cracking, in terms of inflation, I think it's at number three. If you take away inflation, it's like number 13 now, but um, if you just do it by the numbers, then yeah, it remains the third biggest flop of all time. I have also never seen it. Yeah, so we're, we're doing it. It is not on Instant Watch, but the DVD is out there. So Yes. And it will be our um, second Rennie Harlan film. I'm excited about that. I didn't, for, at first, I, I didn't think it was him. I, I, and, and then when I um, Googled it the first time, I was like, ooh. Yeah, they were married at the time. Ooh. Shockingly, their marriage didn't last with the movie. Uh, all right. So I have to pick. Yes, you do. That's how it works. And um, I think this is the obvious pick. And I'm really sorry that I'm not more inventive world. But I, for me, I've never seen this. And I think because it's the obvious pick, it means I have to do it. Okay. Um, I am picking, also from 1995, Waterworld. Oh, okay. Which is also famously yeah. floppy. Well, not a flop. Commonly well, thought of as a flop, but Waterworld well, actually made money in the end. It is a disappointment then. Yes. It, I mean, it, it is a punchline because it was the most expensive movie at its time. Yes. Um, but yeah, it did. It actually did not lose money in the end. Common misconception about that movie. 
So we will see one that did lose lots of money and one that was just kind of like, uh. And we can try to figure out why one, uh, one worked, maybe, and one didn't work, maybe. Well, I'm really excited to see how they go over. Very much so. Yeah. It's now, that was what, 96, both of those? No. 95. 95, okay. Yeah. All right, so yeah, almost uh, 20 years later now. We'll, we'll find out. So we're going to get very wet when next we meet. Not, oh, jeez. Not in a gross way. Because <laughs> you know, it's water. And it's, or maybe we will. I don't know. Hey, hey, ladies. I was young once with a crush on Kevin Costner. I won't deny it. I wasn't. Um, you know what I had a crush on him from? Oddly enough, not even Robin Hood. Um, but so when I first watched Silverado. Oh, see, Field of Dreams younger, for me. I was like, oh, oh. Younger Kevin Costner was kind of cute. But. I like him in Field of Dreams. I love that movie. And he's aged well. He's just at this point, I'm, I'm over him, if you will. Yes, I, I agree. He's an over Anyway, uh, so that's what we'll be covering. Uh, you, in the meantime, if you would like to discuss um, your anybody's take on Amazons and Gladiators or uh, Paranormal Wackity, Wactivity... Activity, or explain, or explain to me what's going on in that one movie whose name I already forgot. Uh, I, <laughs> I did as well. The one with the girls and the fighting and the swords and oh, baby doll oh, and sweet pea. Smash mouth. No. <laughs> uh, oh shit! Super punch. Stop, sucker, sucker punch. punch. Sucker punch. Whoa! I'm tired. I've been sick. I'm sorry. Sucker punch. Smash mouth. It's smash. <laughs> That's all the Smash mouth. So that's what we'll be talking about. Come to our Facebook page, Feminine Critique. We're there and here, there, and everywhere. We're occasionally yes. on Twitter when either one of us remembers to check it. And that yep. is at Feminine Podcast. Yes. And that's really all you need to know. And if you need to know more, then I think you're a little getting a little invasion of our privacy. Yeah. 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 Come on, back off, guys. Back off. Come on. We don't we don't need this, and neither do you, okay? Just watch Amazons and Gladiators and you will be fine. Also, the Christmas it almost wasn't. And then you'll be fine. No, don't listen to her. Listen to me. Okay, guys. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. If Christmas came in June, we'd say good afternoon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Apricot? No, prune. We had a pet raccoon, ate donuts with a spoon. We don't care if it all makes sense, the name of the song is prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Lemon? No, prune. There was a big baboon who never sang in tune. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. No, Prune. We blew up a balloon. It turned into the moon. We don't care if it all makes sense. The name of the song is Prune. Prune, 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 spoon, moon, June, prune, 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 spoon. Village? No, I told you, prune. Prune, 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 prune.